This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast, season two, episode five. The Cubs got Trey Mancini, Crowley. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, Fly the W on Facebook. Email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. Crowley, the Cubs got Trey Mancini. We touched on it a little bit in episode number four, but now in episode number five, we get to actually talk about it. So this happened on Saturday night, CubsCon bingo. Let us know uh, how it was for you in the uh, grand ballroom when this uh, news went down. Yeah, just, uh, you know, it, it's so funny because one time years ago, Kerry Wood re-signed with the Cubs. This was near the tail end of his career. So now everybody expects these that the Cubs are waiting to make a big announcement at CubsCon, and it never happens. But it did happen this weekend, not on opening ceremonies, but on Saturday during CubsCon bingo, the murmur goes through the crowd right around 9.30. Jesse Rogers breaks it, so... Um, you know, it, it, Jed and Carter have come across with this really sneaky offseason plan that didn't look impressive at first and took a while to get rolling, but now kind of staring back at the big picture, you know, you get, you get, you know, I know I'm, I'm probably still got some, uh, Cubs con after glow on me, but, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready, man. I'm getting ready for, you know, a fun season. So, uh, as Jesse reported, the Cubs agreed to a two year uh, deal with Trey Mancini worth 14 million. Pending physical. I'm never taking those words for granted again after the whole no, Carlos Correa saga. No, 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 no. <laughs> but it includes an opt-out for 2023. So, you know, I know for some people they did have a very lucrative um, offseason, but for a lot of these guys they didn't get what they expected. And so that's where you're seeing a lot of these one year or two years with an opt-out deal. So, you know, it was interesting because, Dustin, you and I were there during the baseball ops session uh, Bu- uh, Bukshiambi was hosting that one. And, yes. uh, and that was where Jed was talking about Eric Hosmer and saying, you know, he's going to be playing every day against right-handed pitching. Right. And so a, we wondered about, uh, Matt Mervis and B well, then the question was who is going to be platooning with Hosmer against the lefties. And so that question has been answered now. And, and, and Dustin, I know you for a long time were banging the Mancini drawn, wondering what was going on, why he wasn't there. Just seemed too obvious of a connection, Crawley, right? It just seemed to fit the, you know, this was a, this was a, a round peg in a round hole. This just seemed to just be an easy fit and, and, and it made all the sense in the world. And I'm glad that they were uh, eventually able to get it done. Yeah, I think a lot of it had to come down to that the Cubs had to hope that someone Lord's going to blow him away with a big offer. And he didn't get that, and he kind of fell into the Cubs' lap. So, you know, I think for a guy like um, Trey Mancini playing in in a major market and hopefully having a good year, uh, you know, maybe he then he'll obviously opt out and, and try to get a, a much bigger deal that, that he was looking for. Um, now, Mancini's best season came in 2019 when he had 35 homers. He had an 899 OPS. And, you know, he was ready to show that that wasn't a fluke in 2020. Uh, unfortunately, in spring training, he was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. And I mean, that's just so scary to think about, you know? 
but uh, he underwent six months of chemo at Johns Hopkins and five months after his final chemo treatment, he was back playing with the Orioles in spring training. Uh, he hit 255 with 21 home runs and 71 RBIs in 147 games for the Orioles in 2021, finished second in the home run derby at Coors Field and won the American League Comeback Player of the Year. And it was and just that such was a great such story. a cool night. That was such a cool night at Coors Field. I remember cheering for him. I think I might have even bet a couple of dollars online that he was going to win that thing because it was just a, a good feel-good story, and I was really pulling for him. Yeah, and, and you know, he, he was having a pretty good season to start off with this last year in 2022. He was slashing 268, 347, 404, 10 home runs and 41 RBIs in 92 games. Um, but then he was traded to the Astros, and that really shocked and upset Baltimore's fan base, you know. Um, when you Because he was about- kind of the cornerstone, good guy, kind of the face of that organization that was getting younger, getting better. But I think they thought that, you know, keeping a guy like Mancini around would get them to the postseason uh, faster than they uh, than they are right now. Yeah, a good comp right now is just to say that it's similar to how Cub fans felt with Anthony Rizzo now. Keep in mind, Baltimore drafted, and he spent the whole time in Baltimore's system. But yeah, he was the cornerstone, the face of the franchise. Um, you know, with, with, with that that whole comeback, and and people just absolutely loving him in Baltimore. Great leader, great clubhouse guy, great in the community. So, you know, uh, he he goes to Houston, and 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 I don't know why, Dustin. It just didn't work out there. He slashed one seventy six, two fifty eight, three sixty four with 49 strikeouts in 51 games. And by the end, you know, Dusty's getting asked why he's not in the lineup anymore. And it was, you know, the answers were pretty clear. You know, Dusty just couldn't put him in. I mean, it was too many strikeouts, too many strikeouts for sure. That, that, that was not, uh, that's not what that offense down in Houston needed. And I guess it, it still worked out for Houston. Right. And so when Houston declined their half, it was a mutual option deal. So they declined their half of it. So they paid him 250,000 rather than keep him on for another year at 10 million. So, you know, it, that's where the Cubs were able to kind of get him. And, and you, you know, I think that second half kind of maybe scared some people off. Like why were the strikeout numbers so high? Why was the slug slow, so low, you know, everything, everything just looked bad in Houston. So, you know, the Cubs, uh, you know, hopefully he can bounce back. That's all you can ask for. And, and for the Cubs, you get a person, a player that's traditionally slug well, right? And and he can he can play first. He can play the corner outfield spots. He can DH. And so when you kind of think about this, you remember when Seiya Suzuki had the injury where he was sliding into the base. God forbid something happens to him or Ian Happ. You know you can you can put Mancini in there if the young guys are not ready to come up. So that's pretty good. Um, the other thing to kind of think about is that he's you know as Jed said he's going to be platooning with Hosmer. But his splits are pretty similar against righties as they are to lefties. So the numbers are pretty equal. It's not like he's, you know, certain he's, guys, he's not one dimensional. He doesn't have to only no. be in that in that perfect little setup. So if Hosmer Hosmer is not working out and if Mancini is working out, then we'll probably see more Trey Mancini than we will Eric Hosmer, regardless of who's on the mound for the opposition. Right. And, and, and so when you think about it offensively the Cubs had their struggles last year defensively base running there's a lot of things that they could improve upon but the one glaring thing that just pops out was just how bad the Cubs were in first base and DH in both of those right so they were abysmal abysmal. there's a better word yes you you had an injured Frank Schwindel right a not ready for primetime Alfonso Rivas uh, at first base. So, you know, Schwindel, Rivas, Wisdom played a couple games there. And then at DH, you had Jan Gomes and Wilson Contreras trading off, and no one's ever going to think of Jan Gomes as a DH. No. And then, you know, we were hoping that they could turn Fran Mil Reyes around. That didn't work out. So the Cubs last season at first base slashed the combined first baseman 223, 288, 339. That's the not six- good, right? That, that's that's not good? <laughs> that is absolutely awful. I mean, that's below Mendoza line bad. That is, that is, I mean, you know, the first first and third is where you really need to get your pop from. So you had literally no pop, no, no nobody that was really hitting home runs at, at, at first base. The 627 OPS on base plus slugging was 27th in baseball. So out of the 30 teams in baseball, Dustin, 
the Cubs were the 27th worst when it came to that position at first Not base. acceptable. Not acceptable at all. So when you kind of look back, you, you kind of say to yourself, okay, Eric Hosmer is not what he was in his days with the, with the Royals in 14 and 15, but he's better than Rivas and an injured Schwindel. Schwindel. Now you pair him up with more favorable matchups with Mancini. And then again, Matt Mervis lurking in the weeds, hoping for an opportunity. It, it just, it feels like there's a ton more depth than there was last year. And so, you know, not, like I said, with Mancini outfield depth, DH depth, first base depth, you, you have a guy that I feel is better than what you had in the majority, especially in first base and DH than last year. Much, um, much, 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 much better. Much better. The other thing, and this is kind of something when we're looking at the um, free agent class of the 2022-2023 offseason, and you start to give Jed grades and all this stuff and Carter, I'm looking at this and I'm saying to myself, the you know, not only have they gotten a lot of guys that uh, when you talk about Mancini and Bellinger and Hosmer on these prove-it deals, Tucker Barnhart's not, there's nobody blocking anybody of the young guys, right? The other thing, though, is they have added so much veteran leadership to a clubhouse. Uh, you and I, Dustin, have talked about uh, Dansby Swanson, his press conference just being phenomenal. Uh, Jamison Tyone being, you know, also another guy that just everybody raves about. Eric Hosmer. All of these guys, you know, when you, when you think about the Cubs clubhouse last year and you go across the diamond, right? Um, I'm not going to say Wilson was a bad clubhouse guy. I just don't see him as that galvanizing leader. Um, at first base, you had Schwindel and Rivas, so no. Second base, you know, you, you had uh, – that was just a mess the whole year. You had, you had Nick Madrigal for a little bit. You had a bunch of guys playing second. You had uh, Nico at short, who's a young guy. Third base, Wisdom, didn't have a lot of years in the majors, right? Hap, obviously the longest tenure center fielder was a mess and right fielder was say his first year there. So I feel like that was something that was really lacking the, the veteran leadership as far as uh, the clubhouse is concerned. So and it's not just veteran leadership, Crawley it's veteran leadership and guys that have won on previous stops. Right. And, and so you, you've just, you've brought all of that into the clubhouse and I, I have a feeling that when 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 camp starts this year, there's just going to be a different vibe. When when pitchers and pitchers and catchers are already reporting to Arizona, they're already doing drills. A lot of those guys actually that were at CubsCon came from Arizona to Chicago, flew out back in Arizona. These guys are hungry and ready to go. And, and I think that having the leadership that they have on this team is just going to make it a lot easier. You know, I'm like we talked about before. I'm interested in seeing the the, the relationship that Swanson builds with. Nico Horner, um, Tyone working with guys like uh, Justin Steele and Caleb Killiam, uh, looking at how uh, all these guys are really just going to kind of help out. And, and, and then as these younger guys come up, the Matt Mervises and the Brennan Davises and the PCAs, you have just good quality guys that they can kind of learn on, lean on, and, and, and they're guys that have respect. They command respect, Dustin. So yes, I, I'm excited. And so, you know, like you said, it seemed like such an obvious fit, but, it, but again, but Mancini was looking for a big contract and it didn't come. So he's going to have an opportunity again to kind I of can prove it. it. So, I can yep. prove it. Right. If he, if he's, right. if he's, you know, good for him, good for the Cubs. All right. So it looks like the everyday roster is probably set. We probably know, you know, not who, but you know, the, 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 the guys on the team right now, that's going to be your opening day team. Um, they still have some tinkering to do potentially with the bullpen, and there was a uh, far less publicized move uh, than Trey Mancini that also happened over the past weekend. Yeah, they, they picked up Julian Merriweather off the waiver wire from the Blue Jays, uh, but to make room for him, they had to DFA Manny Rodriguez. Uh, Merriweather appeared in 26 games for Toronto last season, going 0-3 with a 6.75 ERA. He's a 6-4 right-hander who struck out 23 and 26 in two-third innings. He relies heavily on a four-seam fastball, according to Baseball Savant, mixes in a sl slider and changeup. His fastball tops out at just over 97 miles per hour 
while the slider comes in at 88. So, I mean, if you look at the ERA and stuff like that, and then the win loss record, not much there, but there's a lot of stuff that the guy has. And so the belief is, is that the Cubs really feel like that there's more to unlock a lot of potential to unlock. Um, unfortunately on the flip side of that, you know, Manrod did not have the greatest season last year. Uh, he's, he's been in the, with the Cubs for two years and he's appeared in 34 games with a five and three record four eighty eight ERA. Last season, he had a 329 ERA in 14 games with eight strikeouts and nine walks and 13.2 innings of work. He registered four saves, but there was, you know, a little bit of cause for concern. His fastball velocity was down. His swinging uh, strike rate was just awful. He had arm issues. So, you know, for par- part of me, as I kind of take a look at this, um, is, is that with those arm issues, you know, he's a, he was a flamethrower, Manny Rodriguez. When they were having the alt camp in 2021, it was, they played the Cubs were in South Bend, their alt camp team, and the White Sox alt camp team was in Schaumburg playing at Boomer Stadium. And so I drove uh, out to it. They had a Cubs versus alt Cubs versus alt Sox game at Boomer Stadium in Schaumburg, one train ride away from my house. So I went to check them out. And it's so funny because a lot of players that are on, were or are on the team, Manrod and um, Christopher Morell and Patrick Wisdom, these were all guys that were at the alt site that I got to see. But Man- Manny Rodriguez was the one that impressed me most. The stuff was just electric out of his hands. And I just don't know if he tried to come back from injury too quickly or what. Um, you know, and, and the worst thing, Dustin, is he was there at CubsCon. So when they were calling everybody out for the, uh, you know, starting lineup for opening night, you know, opening ceremonies, he's out there. And then the next thing you know, he's gone. So, you know, that's, that's, that's part of the business. It's part of the game. And, and, and I'm sure he's going to catch on somewhere because he has stuff. You know what I mean? And if you have stuff, there's going to be some, you know, you can't teach 99. You can't teach 100. You got it or you don't, Right. So I, I have a feeling he's going to catch on somewhere, but my my real hope is is that he is successful, but hopefully not too successful that 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 we're looking back one day and going, oh God, what were we doing? What were we thinking? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's uh, you know I, I you're you're more invested in that in that story than I am. Can we bring back Andrew Chafin? Is that a possibility? Well, I'm still surprised he's out there. Obviously, we all know what the sheriff brings to the table. Uh, I know he's part of Dustin's favorite moment in Cubs history, the first combined no-hitter. Um, but, you know, it's he's a guy that that fit in great here in Chicago, another great clubhouse guy. Um, it's It's right now there's a lot of sharks swimming in that water. So I would say that it's unlikely, but it looked unlikely with Trey Mancini. There was a lot of guys that were kicking the tires on him too. So – you know, d- does Andrew Chafin want to play in Chicago? They're, they're not going to give him a long-term deal like that. We know, you know what I mean? So it's going to be one of those one year, two year deals. So is Chafin kind of holding out for a longer term, uh, higher average annual value uh, than what the Cubs are going to offer him? That would be my guess, you know, but if nothing happens, then, then what's to say it's not, but like you said, this is where the tinkering is going to happen is, is it's going to be in the bullpen. The lineup that you see right now my guess is we're, we're at the 40 man. They're at the max limit right now. So they cannot add a player without removing a player. So my guess is McKinstry or one of those middle infielders may be gone. You may lose them and they still may tinker and try to get a couple more pieces, not just one more bullpen arm, but maybe two bullpen arms. But, and, and, and Tom said this at the Cubs convention last weekend, you leave a little bit of money. You don't, you don't want to be up against that luxury tax, which they're getting closer and closer to. You want to leave yourself a little wiggle room so that let's say the Cubs do come out of the gate and are shocking everybody. Well, then let's say you want to make an addition later on around the trade deadline. You're not, you're not, you don't go over the luxury tax. So that's where I'm thinking that Chafin is not going to be somebody that's going to be picked up by the Cubs, but rather by somebody else. But like I said, thought the same thing about Trey Mancini, right? We will see. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. 
With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 5 of the Fly the W670 Podcast. We're calling this one The Cubs Got Trey Mancini. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W Podcast. Here's a conversation with the Marquee Network's Cole Wright. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, you know him as the host of the pregame and postgame coverage on Cubs Live, Cubs 360, and Cubs Classics, and much, much more. He is the ringmaster of the Marquee Network, Cole Wright. Cole, how are you doing today, buddy? Hey, Crowley, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Th- thank you, the ringmaster. I-, I-, I like that a lot. I- I- you're- that's not the normal backdrop. You- yeah, work right now? Yeah, you know, it's always sometimes it's wherever I can get a recording done. That's where we get it done. But yeah, not the normal backdrop, not the clubhouse. But, you know, it's uh, it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day. First time I ever really was introduced. I know, Cole, you love every sport and you've covered every sport. But the first time I really kind of was introduced to you was CubsCon 2020 when they were kind of rolling out the big marquee debut. And that had to have been amazing for you because you grew up Chicago area native, right? What Naperville, Joliet area? Yeah, born in Joliet, lived there till I was 12, moved to Naperville, lived in Naperville, Aurora, you know, lived in Aurora more so than Naperville. You know, my parents, they now live back in Naperville. But yeah, I mean, just lived in the area my whole life, you know, grew up a Cubs fan. I mean, obviously, Ryan Sandberg, Andre Dawson, Lee Smith. I mean, those were the guys that really made those first impressions on me. I mean, whether it was Luis Salazar, Vance Law, Leon Durham, I mean, those are the guys that I grew up with. Those guys were the soundtrack to my summer. So, you know, at Cubs convention this year, to to be able to sit there with with Mark Grace and and Sean Dunstan and to watch those guys just have real-life friend conversations, not just baseball conversations, just things about life in general. I mean, it it was a pretty surreal moment, and they continue to be surreal moments because, like I said, these, these are the guys I grew up watching, and, you know, to, to now be able to share a, a piece of their lives with them, it's it's nuts. So do you remember the first time you ever went to Wrigley Field? <sighs> I've been to so many different games. I, I don't necessarily remember the very first time I went to Wrigley Field. <sighs> early memories that about... you have. Early Earliest memories you got at Wrigley Field. I'm trying to think. I, I just remember in when I was in high school that I would go with my dad and we would go, I mean, the, my earliest concrete memory, which I know probably flushed everything else out. And then I, because I, because I know I went to Wrigley field before the all-star game, but I mean, we did a, we did a cartoon, a caricature of it because I went to Wrigley field for the all-star game. And I remember sitting on, on the, the step at my house uh, on the front porch, there were, there were these, these black chairs that were, were wired and they're like little crisscrosses and, I think we got him at adventure, but here, <laughs> here nor there. My, my pops asked me that night. It was, you know, obviously a summer night. The sun was setting and you're you know, just coming in from doing whatever in the neighborhood. And my pops was like, hey, you want to go to the All-Star game tomorrow? It's at Wrigley Field. And I was so excited. I'm like, you, you have tickets to, to the All-Star game? And he's like, I, I, I didn't ask you that. He's like, do you want to go to the game tomorrow? So I said, of course I wanted to go to the game. So we got up bright and early, went down there. We're circling around Wrigley Field the whole time. And I didn't know what, what we were doing. And eventually I, I saw Renee Latchman walking into the side door right across from the side door that used to be there right across from the fire station. I remember just looking at his hand, the, the world series ring that was on his hand was enormous. And you know, I liked the A's back then. Most, most kids did. I mean, who, who didn't like Mark McGuire and, and Jose Canseco and Ricky Henderson and Dave Henderson and Carney Lansford, that, that squad was hot. 
either way. So we were still waiting to get in because they hadn't pulled up the gates yet. So when they pulled up the actual like storm door, the metal gates, they were just like the, the ones that had the slats. So we kept walking around again. And you know, my pops eventually saw a girl that was like 16 years old and he showed her a hundred dollar bill and we got in. As soon as they pulled the <laughs> gates up, we went straight in and it was raining that day. So there, it's not like it was a, a sellout because there were empty seats, people didn't want to go. And we ended up sitting right next to the, the stealth bomber pilots that did the flyover. And at one point I was in the restroom and I hear from behind me, like, Hey, come on, kid, hurry up. Other people got to use the bathroom too. And it was Jim Harbaugh as I walked, <laughs> as I was walking off. I'm sure he thought I was a much older kid than what I was. Because like I said in the story before, man, I was an abnormally large 12 year old. So he probably thought I was about 16 or 17. So uh, I'd never met Jim Harbaugh you know, to this day. You know, when I get the chance to meet him, I want to be, you know, Hey, hey have you, uh, did you enjoy that all-star game? If he wonders how I knew he was there, I'm like, oh, yeah, I saw you on the Jumbotron. But we all know there was no Jumbotron there. I don't know if he would <laughs> he would know that or not. But he, either way, yeah, that, that's my first solid concrete memory. And I think it really did flush all my other memories of Wrigley Field out of there that, were, that, that came before that. Because, I mean, it was such a memorable day. Ricky Henderson threw my dad a ball. I mean, he dropped it. So... <laughs> what? That, that's that's a that's a pretty darn good first memory because god it's been since 1990 since we've had an all-star game at wrigley so hopefully soon yeah. right very soon so hopefully. you were talking you were you were a big kid and, and you know you all of a sudden kind of burst on the wabonzi valley chiefs uh baseball team right you you pitched and not only that you were a hitter you still have the record for game winning hits nine out of 30 in a 32 win season. So like a third of the games, you hit the game winning hit Cole. That's pretty Come amazing. On, Come on. <laughs> and I, I still have it for a career too. 14. That means that I was either really clutch or there haven't been a whole bunch of clutch dudes that have, that have come after me. in I don't know, 20, 20 years or so, but uh, I, I just, I like to play with the game on the line. I mean, you, you want to go out there, you want to win the game. Like when you're a kid, you always dream like, Hey, like, Bottom of the bottom of the ninth, down by one, two men on. Let's go, let's go get it. And it's not always that scenario because you know that you could have the game winning hit like in the first inning. I mean, if that's right. how it goes down. But e either way, to be able to to say that you know you have that distinction, it just to me to me, I feel like I always try to play hard and I always try to play to win. So if, if that if that is any kind of proof, then, then maybe it is. But I mean, like you said, I was I was a closer too, and I feel like when the game was on the line, like let's go, like put it on my shoulders, let, let's go get it. And it's just, I feel like that, that makes everything that much more fun. And I feel like that's the, that's just the competitor in me. And I feel like when, when you watch baseball and you're able to do a pre and a post game show and you're able to navigate the waters and lead fans into that game, I feel like every day it's, it's like a new fresh competition. And it's, it's, it's fun like that because, because it is different every single day, no matter if you're playing the same team, you know, three, four games in a row, it's still different every single day. There's subtle nuances that you can touch on that, that from day to day, you know, can captivate the fan and, and reel people in. And that's, that's what we try to do. Now you then go to college, you were at the university of Tennessee Martin and you played some ball and then you uh, transferred to Briarcliff university and you started, uh, you uh, worked towards a degree in communications. When did you kind of have that in your head that, Hey, you know, I might want to do something as far as broadcasting is concerned. Well, I did that when I was in junior college. I thought I was going to be an investment banker like my brother, which would, would have been bad for everybody who would have invested with me. <laughs> I would have had a lot of cats knocking on my door <laughs> under the cloak of darkness. But, uh, yeah, you, you know, it, sophomore year of college at Wabonzi, we, uh, we had the ability to, to, do, to work off our, our spring trip. So when we were freshmen, we just worked at the – at the concession stand or, you know, help pull out the, the bleachers or, or referees at the volleyball games. But as a sophomore, you had the opportunity to either call the games or run the shot clock and not, not, not necessarily call the games, but be the, the PA announcer or run the shot clock. And I didn't really feel like running the shot clock because, you know, basketball is really not my thing. It wasn't then. It still isn't now. I feel like there would be some shot clock infractions and people would be looking at me in the middle of a game. So I didn't want that. So I said, you know what, maybe I'll just be the announcer. And, you know, I started getting into, you know, the the starting lineups. I, mean, I feel like, you know, being a, a kid in, in the 90s in Chicago and watching the Bulls do what they do and seeing the starting lineups, you know, at, at the United Center or, or Chicago Stadium, 
you know, those are pretty special. Like anytime you, uh, you, you hear Sirius and the Alan Parsons project, you, you know, it's about to go down in Chicago. So uh, that's, that's one of the things that made me want to change, change my major, you know, continue that and finished up at Briarcliff, which, you know, lucky for us, we had a, a fantastic uh, mass communications department. Uh, we were right up the street from Gateway Computers. I know those who are old enough old school, know yeah. what Gateway Computers mm-hmm. are. Yeah, but we they gave us a, a, a integrated multimedia lab that was next level. I mean, Creighton, Creighton modeled theirs, I believe, after ours. And it was exclusive to the mass communications program. So, you know, we had, you know, back in 2001 and 2000, we had the the dual screen computers. We had all that. So you could, you know, the, the linear editing. So you could do all that ahead of schedule. So I feel like we weren't as ahead of schedule as the kids are now because they can edit on their phones and shoot everything on their phones and, and do everything from whenever they want to get started. But we did have, I feel like, a little bit of a leg up and the ability to do that and, and have an internship you know, right up the street from school, which is crazy because I went to school in Iowa, I interned in South Dakota, and I worked in Nebraska, and each place was 10 minutes apart. So we were I was right in that triangle, and it – you know, after that, you know, I came back home and eventually got a job, man. It's time to get to work. Yeah, and that first job, NBC in, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, covering LSU and the Saints. No, that was, that, was, that was the third. That was the third job. That third, was the third job. job. That would have been fantastic. If that, that was, was, your if big that was my break, first though. job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Essentially, I mean, that would have been my first job. That would have been unbelievable. But my first job was in, in West Texas covering all the teams that were on the TV show or, or the movie Friday Night Lights. You know, oh, I covered you know, cool. San Angelo Central, Odessa Permian, Odessa High, Midland High, Midland Lee, all those schools. And, you know, got to, got to see Colt McCoy. He went to Tuscola, Jim Ned. I covered him his senior year of high school. And that dude's still in the league, which is crazy. You know, shout out to Colt McCoy for, for doing his thing, man. And, you know, but uh, yeah, so then I, went, then I went from one place in Texas, from San Angelo, Texas to Tyler, Texas, and was only there for five five months. And then I went to Baton Rouge, yeah. Nice. And so, you know, that gets you, you know, LSU and New Orleans. So now that's, you know, obviously kind of much bigger level. And then you get to go to the NESN, the Northeast Sports Network. So that's the Boston Red Sox and the other Boston team, Celtics, Bruins and Patriots. You're in ESPN, Jack of all trades. You, you go to Fox Sports in Los Angeles. So when I think about this here, you've covered the Red Sox, the Cubs and the Dodgers, three very big, you know, epic franchises right there when you think about baseball what do you think the differences are between the fan bases of the Red Sox Dodgers and Cubs what kind of would you say sets Cub fans and 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 kind of the media surrounding the Cubs apart you know the funny thing about it is I feel like Cubs fans are a blend of Red Sox fans and Dodger fans I feel like when it comes to the, the diehard, you, you know, Red Sox fans are always diehard. Sometimes it's to a fault. They'll, they'll, they, they, they'll boo their own players. We've seen that in Boston. We've seen that in, in New York. You rarely see that in Chicago. I mean, the, the one thing that Chicago fans do is, man, we, we support our team. I mean, as much sometimes as you, you want to boo them, you, you don't because that's not, what, that's not what you do. That's, that's your own squad. So that's the one thing I think when it comes to being diehards, which Cubs fans are, but they're but they're friendly diehards and they're, and they're loyal diehards. They're not gonna they're not gonna boo their their own guy. Like that's my guy. Guess what? Because how, how's he gonna look at you when he turns it around and starts playing well? And I think that's sometimes why guys don't want to play in Boston. And when it comes to LA, that they're great fans as well, and they're not gonna boo their fans. But I feel like the energy that they bring to the ballpark is the same energy that Cubs fans bring and have brought for years more than more than any other franchise for for such a uh, a string of consecutive seasons and i, I just feel like to, to me Wrigley Field is is my is my favorite ballpark of all time Dodger Stadium right behind it Fenway Park not not so much but there's there's other ballparks and there's other reasons why i just feel like it's it's small and, and maybe it's just because of when it was built but Wrigley Field was built right around the same time if i'm not mistaken you know 2 years after and it, it's it's a lot bigger. I just feel like everything about Fenway is just and, and when I work, worked for the Reds, and no disrespect, I mean it's, it's a fantastic ballpark, rich in history, but there's just little things about it. Like I felt like the, as a historic of a, of a ballpark as it is, there's corporate signage everywhere, and that's the nature of the beast because there you see that at every single ballpark, and you're, you're going to start to see it on uniforms as the years go on. 
but I feel like there's there just could have been a, a, just a little less. Like, but like I said, epic ballpark. Having gone there right. before and having taken batting practice there before, and you know, and with a metal bat, having gone yard, it's it's pretty special to see and and to think what goes through a guy's head when he's taking hacks, you know, in, in live action there because oh, it looks really close. It's only three eighteen, oh, easy. I can, but then I mean, you're gonna bang some off the wall, and sometimes you're gonna swing straight under fastballs because. I feel like a ballpark can't do that to you. And that's like, you know, that's what Boston, I feel like it is. But getting back to the, the Cubs fans, I feel like they're a mix of both. They're a mix of, of Boston and LA. And I feel like you take the best parts from both of those teams. And I feel like that's what you get in, in, a, in a Cubs fan, the, the best of both worlds and, and even better. So forever, you know, there's been a lot of us that have been asking for a Cubs network, Cubs network. And finally, you know, the contracts come up and, and marquee network is born. Um, when you heard about that, you knew, right. Did you know right away? Like, oh, I'm going to try to see what I can do to get in on that. Was that something that you were excited kind of jumping at? Absolutely. I mean, I knew that from the very first time I heard it and that was, I don't know, five, six years ago. I mean, this is, you know, b- before, before the world series, I mean, there was always rumblings that there was going to be a Cubs network. So I always said, I mean, hopefully I, at some point I'll be in a position to where I'll be able to go and and get, you know, a position there. And that's, that's what happened. And, you know, the the way things go and the the way things work, it worked out perfect for me because, you know, as a kid that, that went to Wrigley field and used to live right down the street from Wrigley. And I mean, obviously has, has pictures with my mom and dad when I was a kid in, in a Cubs hat, when I, I know I was probably about four years old at the Sears tower. Um, I mean, it's crazy. Like being at, at Cubs convention, like to announce all those guys, like it's nuts, man. Like, I mean, I would be honest with you. Like, I mean, I, I, I wasn't an intern at NBC, but I used to sit in NBC's lobby and wait for Art Norman. So Art could, could look at my tapes and and he would, and he would give me advice and he would talk to me and he helped me uh, immensely along the way. And, and Warner Saunders and Allison Rosati, like they, they all helped me along the way. So, you know, just to sit and, every time I walk into that Sheraton Grand and look across the street and see there's the NBC tower right there. And I used to sit and wait for those guys. And I used to wait tables at Bandera, you know, so, so for, for, from waiting tables on that second level, right above the Timberland store at Bandera to, you know, waiting around at NBC to hosting Cubs convention. It's surreal. Yeah. And, and you know, it's fun for me because, you know, it's just like, you guys have such a great team at Marquee, you know, you got Boogan, JD, Elise, uh, uh, you have Taylor McGregor, but especially for you, that kind of does, you know, the pre and post, they kind of rotate around a lot of players, you know, a lot of different kind of people take that second seat next to you. Are you, I mean, you seem like you're really comfortable with the different personalities and, and you have to kind of adjust for each different person, correct? Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I look at it like, it's just like when we're watching the game or we're getting ready for a show. I mean, it's just like how we are, you know, you know backstage, so to speak. You know, it's those are my guys, and I know that some guys are going to be more high energy than others. Some are going to want to talk more in a highlight. I'm going to need to involve this guy a little more, this guy a little bit less. And I feel like, you know, it's one of the one of the pieces of advice that I always give to you know kids in college that that do the same thing. You know, that 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 want to be that are aspiring broadcasters. I always tell them when you're done with school, or even when you're in school, if you can wait tables, wait tables because. It, it helps you with, with, with interview processes, 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 either yeah, way, but it, it, it helps you because some tables want to talk. Some tables, you know, some tables don't, they, they, they want to know what, what's the, the, the fish of the day. What's the soup of the day. They, they just want the, the bare minimums. And sometimes you have to pull more out of tables because they, they, they do want to engage, but they're not necessarily going to be the ones that, that are going to initiate it. So I feel like that's, how the interview process goes along too. like some people are going to be good interviews. Some people aren't going to be uh, good interviews. Some people are going to be better interviews when you meet them down the road. Tyron Matthew, one of the best interviews when, when he was at LSU, not one of the best interviews, but to see him come along over the years and to see what he's become. I mean, it's, it's, it's remarkable. So it, I feel like that's one of the, one of the things that I would always say, like when it comes to just like giving out advice that I'm to, Kids, man, go get go get a job waiting tables. Even if it's only for two months, you, you might find out you can make a whole lot of extra money, and it's it's you know it's a lot easier than doing some other stuff. And I would always tell uh, young cats too that first job, if you if you can avoid being a news anchor 
in addition to being a sports anchor, do that at all costs. Because some, <laughs> some jobs you'll get, okay, you can be the weekend sports anchor, but then you'll have to, you'll have to host or, or you'll have to do news three days a week, which means you'll have to do elections and you'll have to do, you know, you know, emergency situations. And one of the first things to get cut in local news is sports. So one of my, like I said, one of my pieces of advice is, you know, do sports. If you can find a job that's five days a week, sports, go, go ahead and get it, man, and take it. No matter where it's at, if it's at a small market, go ahead, man, because with the small market I started out, like I told you, man, it was 197 out of like a potential, I think, 213 markets. So it might be 201 now. It's pretty small, man. And I got, I got to tell you, I, I saw that viral video. I don't know if you saw that of the, of the sports anchor doing the weather when there was a hurricane or something. And it was absolutely, I was yeah. dying. I was, <laughs> I, I had to do that. I was on top of and my wife and my, my mother-in-law always make fun of me because in Baton Rouge, when Hurricane Ike came through and Hurricane Gustav, I was on top of a Walmart with a camera, like videoing people in line for MREs, meals ready to eat for the, the military was out there. And like, to me, it was, it was nuts. I'd never been you know, in a, in a hurricane before. And I mean, it was, it, the, there was the, that, there was a legit calm before the storm. I was driving into work and I was the only car on the road because we had media passes to be on the road. And there was nobody on the road for five minutes. I sat at a stop sign for five minutes and watched it just back and forth. It was the craziest thing. And then to see the aftermath, I mean, it's, we have tornadoes. We don't have hurricanes. That's like if a tornado ripped through like everywhere, I mean, it was, t t it's nuts. So to see him out there in that, in that cold weather, it's like, I, I understand like good sports will get cut first though, as, as he found out. And I found out. Now, one thing that's kind of cool, uh, this is a true story. I, 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 um, I got to walk uh, Lee Smith and Ray Burris back to club 400 Chicago. There's a little kind of place that we have around there. And um, I was watching the end of a game with Lee Smith and Ray Burris. And they're kind of talking as the game's kind of happening about everything going on. Do you, do you see yourself, do you have those conversations during the game? Like, is it fun? Do you get to like watch the game, say with Dempster or Sud or Cliff Floyd, oh, yeah. or do the, is there a lot of talking going on? And do you pick up a lot of different things that when they're, when, when they're watching a game with you? Absolutely. I mean, we sit in the middle of, of our marquee studio, like not, not in the studio. We sit in the middle of the building. Like there's a, a big screen TV. We, we sit around, we eat lunch, we eat dinner, watch the game. You know, I, it, for me, I, I normally I change back into comfortable clothes, whether it's, you know, in the summertime, it's shorts, shorts and a hoodie. And, the, and when it's not summertime, it's, it's jeans and a hoodie. So, you know, that's, that's primarily my uniform. So I change back into that and then I'll change back into a, a, a shirt tie and a, and, a, and, a, and a sport coat, you know, the, the, the top half of what I wore for pregame. And then we'll do the, the seventh inning hit, you know, the fan duel hit. Like, okay, what's what's the line looking like? What do you what do you think? You know, over, over under two and a half runs for the remainder of the game. Like, you know, whether it's Cliff or you know it's Demp or whoever it is with me, you know, we'll, we'll do that. And then we'll go back and we'll finish watching the game. We'll probably, you know, bottom of the eighth, we'll come back out, get mic'd up again, and we'll be ready to roll. It's, it's like I said, it's, it's something else. And so, you know, kind of circling back to where I started first time I see you 2020 Cubs con, you know, you're just kind of on the stage waving your hand, you know, with, with the rest of the crew. And then all of a sudden, you know, no Cub con. I mean, you just, you had a weird year to kind of start a network as far as the pandemic, no fans in the games and all that stuff. But now you're sitting here and, and you were emceeing opening ceremonies and, and you kind of touched on it a little bit before just how amazing is it to, to just kind of be behind the scenes with, I mean, you're talking Fergie Jenkins, Billy Williams, Lee Smith, Ryan, all, all those guys. I mean, th that just has to be electric for you to kind of be there, like a pinch of myself moment. Without a doubt. And I feel like every time I, I get to interact with those guys, like I've got, a, I got a picture that's, that's right there from our icons of the Ivy show where it was Andre Dawson, Ryan Sandberg, Billy Williams, Lee Smith, who else? Am I, who am I, who am I forgetting? Fergie Jenkins, 267 complete games. I mean, how, how do I forget that off the top? I mean, but it's, I mean, it's, it's right there for me to sit there and be in the presence of greatness. I mean, these, these guys are just, you just, you, you go around the horn and just think of all the accomplishments that they've been able to check off the list. And I mean, just to be able to talk baseball with, with all these guys, whenever, and, you know, I mean, Fergie comes through and he does shows and he came through one day and he gave Carlos Pena a, a Fergie Jenkins wristband with his face on it. 
So he comes through in the, in the middle of the show because Fergie was going to a game and Fergie can do things like that because he's a Hall of Famer. Like we said, 267 complete games. I mean, like I said, most cats would really want to pitch 267 games, period, let alone right. 67 CGs. I mean, just that's mind boggling. But so he walks in, gives Carlos a wristband. And I kind of look up and I'm like, oh, oh, OK, <laughs> Fergie, it's cool. Don't worry. I didn't I didn't want one of those wristbands either. You know, a, a, a Hall of Fame wristband from a Hall of Famer. So the day goes by. Next day we're doing the show. Carlos and I in walks Fergie, gives me two wristbands. Oh. I mean, the, the fact that he would come back and not even just give me one, but give me two. And he's like, hey, give the other one to your, to, to your daughter. And it's, it's I mean, just to have stories like that, like, my, you know, my daughter has all these things that, that she sees. And I think she's starting to realize. But now with, that she knows, like, hey, this wristband was it was given to my dad by the actual dude on the wristband, <laughs> you know. Right. And I mean, just to be able to have conversations with Billy. I mean, Billy Williams and I sat at spring training last year and he talked about how he and, and Willie Mays and Willie McCovey and uh, just a, a whole bunch of different guys would go down in, in mobile and they would have batting practice before spring training and they didn't have an L screen. So they pitched to each other and they'd have to, you know, spray it around. You couldn't hit it up the middle because you, you didn't want to, you don't want to hit one of those future hall of famers, but could you imagine just like riding as a kid, riding your bike by that, that baseball park and seeing all those dudes out there taking BP like what? And just the fact that he's sitting there telling me these stories. He told me a story how him and his brother barnstormed with Satchel Paige and Satch gave him each five bucks to go get on a, on a train back in the day. And it's like, what? I mean, you're hearing these stories about, you know, I mean, it, it's it's like six degrees of separation, but only two degrees of separation from, from baseball greatness, from baseball greatness. It's like you're hearing the story from a baseball legend like Satchel Paige from Billy Williams, one of the best left-handed hitters of all time. So those moments never get lost on me. And, you know, to, to be able to have those and, and be able to share some of those moments with those guys and make moments that I'll be able to share with, with my daughter and, and she'll be able to share when she gets older. It's, it's pretty neat. Now, you know, Mark, is on literally 24 seven in my house is probably the only thing I watch. I'm, I was just wondering. I'm sure you're sick of hearing my voice then, man, because sometimes <laughs> if, I, if I get home and, and it's on sometimes, I'll make sure I turn it down. So I'm like, oh, I, I'll leave it on, you know, but I'll, I'll turn it down. So I'm like, I, I can't hear my own voice all the time like that. Well, no, you know, you're going to laugh because like, you know, I, you know, I always tell my wife, you know, I, I'm going to do an interview with so-and-so and so-and-so. And, you know, most of the time doesn't really do, you know, do anything. But when I said Cole Wright, she's like, I know him. How do I know him? I'm like, he's the guy on the TV. All this. So she's all laughing and excited about that. But, you know, obviously the pre and post games are, you know, are kind of when you're center stage, but which, what do you, what would you say are some of the other programs that you've hosted that are some of your favorite? Like, what do you really like, man, I really love this program. I really think this is good content. Well, I mean, icons of the Ivy, you know, every single installment and most recently that and this, we have one that's, that's getting cooked up uh, with Mark Grace and I sat down and it was scheduled for a half an hour. And I'm like, there's no way, there's no way we're only going to be able to go a half an hour. And they had to cut us short at an hour, but we could have easily gone too. I mean, it's, it, it's going to be fantastic because Gracie, I mean, he's just, he's, he has a story for everything and he's a great storyteller. And he, I, I love Mark Grace, man. You know, he's, one of the guys I grew up watching. I mean, I I played first base, not left-handed, but you still watch how he went about his business, man. The, the cat could swing it, and he's just – he's always – he's a ball of energy when he comes through, and he's always fun to do shows with. So, once again, you know, these guys that I grew up watching as a kid, like if you if I could go back and tell 11-year-old version of me, 10-year-old version of me, like here's what here's what you get to do when, when you get – when you grow up, like – I think that version of me would be be pretty tripped out. <laughs> you know, and an obvious shirt, uh, the best-selling shirt of the weekend was Dunstan to Sandberg to Grace. And you're yeah. on stage at the moment where both of those guys, you know, Dunstan hasn't done a lot of conventions lately. And, and Grace, he works for Arizona sometimes, and he hasn't been to a lot of conventions. To see two guys he, like that. He hasn't been to, Gracie hasn't been to one convention since he left the Cubs. I think he was at one. I want to say one, and I want to say it was like 2007 or eight, right around there, but just one, just one. So to see those. He, he told me he hadn't been to any, so. <laughs> oh. Well, so when we sit here and we take a look at this here, man, to see those two guys back together on stage. I mean, for I was I was in the first row. I, I, I talked to you a little bit, and that was just 
unreal. And you had a front seat to uh, Ryan Sandberg getting the statue announced. Like you said, yeah. stories that are going to go on that you're just always going to have. And from one camp cup fan to another, to see you being able to enjoy this, I live sometimes vicariously through you and just like, Oh, that's so awesome. Cole got to do that. But as a cup fan and somebody that loves marquee, man, you know, I'm just so happy to see everything that you guys are doing. And I just expect bigger and better things coming from marquee. When is that grace going to uh, premiere? Do you know? I don't know, but it, like I said, it, it's 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 in the works. So you, you, I feel like everything that that our team's able to put together, I mean, it's award worthy. We, we took home a, a few a few Emmys at the, you know, this most recent uh, edition of the awards show, and you know, it's I'm really proud of the, the, the team that we have at the network. You know, whether it's you know at, at the very top, you know, Mike McCarthy, Mike Santini, those guys, you know, they, they run a well-oiled ship and they're fantastic to work for. And, you know, our, our production team, you know, Nick and Malik, you know, those guys, you know, they, they hold it down. What, what's whether it's Miller or, or, or Norman, those guys hold it down and everybody in, in editing, just the, the whole team. It's, it's a great place to work. I mean, I'm going to be, I mean, I've worked at a lot of places that we talked about and you know, I've worked, you know, at a lot of great places and this, this is the best and it's and not just that, but I get to work for the Cubs, man. You know, after every pre and post game show, after every pregame show, I walk across if it's, if it's weather permitting, <laughs> you know, I, I walk across and I'll go just grab a seat or go up to, go up to the suite. Or, you know, we have Marquis has a suite, you know, lucky to watch from there. It's a bird's eye view or, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll go in, into the booth and to be able to do that, you know, a kid that used to, used to, I mean, right after college, I lived on Clark and Wrightwood and we used to try to, you know, bum as many tickets as we could or, you know, see how, how we could get to a game for as little cost as possible. And now to be able to do that, it's like, it's pretty special. I love it, man. Hey, thank you so much for coming on Fly the W, giving us your time. Looking forward to having you back in the future. And Cole, have a great 2023 season and hopefully I see you in Arizona. Absolutely. Likewise, probably I'll see you there, man. Thanks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Episode 5, Season 2, The Cubs Got Trey Mancini on the Cubs Fly the W670 Podcast. I'm Dustin Rhodes along with my guy Crowley. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W Podcast. Crowley, the off-season, the hot stove season, it's uh, also time for lists and rankings. And uh, the Cub fans got good news as we got a... Uh, Really good uh, top 100 prospects for 2023, and the Cubs had a nice uh, couple of guys making that list. Yeah, so the most highly anticipated session of last weekend's CubsCon was the road to Wrigley, and that's why they moved it for the first time from Sunday to Saturday and gave it the prime time, the last slot, which is usually kind of like the big uh, the big one that everybody goes to. So the big session that everyone goes to close to 20 Cubs tops prospects were on that stage. And so the accolades keep coming for these youngsters. Baseball America releases their top 100 prospects for 2023. And there were three Cubs that made that list coming in at number 91. Do I sound like Casey Kasem here? Coming in at number 91, <laughs> outfielder Kevin. I, that was such a dated reference. I, I don't <laughs> We'll see if anyone. I got it, it, Crawley. I got it. I got All right. It's coming in at number 91 was outfielder Kevin Alcantara, acquired in the Anthony Rizzo trade. He is from the DR and nicknamed the Jaguar, which is awesome just in and of itself. Great defender, tons of power, had a great year at Myrtle Beach. Uh, this kid, I, I got, had a chance to talk to him. He doesn't speak English. He only speaks Spanish, 
but I had a chance to talk to him a little bit um, after the session was over. And he is a big kid. I mean, it, it's, you see these, you know, like you read numbers on a paper, you see them on a little screen kind of, you know, when they had the Myrtle beach games on uh, marquee network, but, but he is, you can just tell that he, he's going to be a bad, bad man. That's all I'm going to say. He's going to be someone that, that, that <laughs> he's going to be someone that pitchers are not going to want to face. And, and, and what he does have is just incredible speed, a fast bat, incredible power. He just, he's a very five tools player, man. And he's just very exciting. And so, um, you know, I'm guessing he is going to start the season at South Bend. So I'm hoping to take a couple of trips. Be able to, yeah, I'll be able to see him. Yeah, right yeah, down the and, street. And, and here's what I'm going to tell Cub fans. If you haven't been to the minor league ballparks, the Cubs, and, and this is, I will give Tom Ricketts all the kudos all day on this, is that when Mr. Ricketts came and bought the Cubs, his family had a high expectation of what they expected for minor league ballparks and the Cubs have some of the best minor league facilities. So if you're listening to this uh, in Iowa or Tennessee or Myrtle beach or South Bend, you know what I'm talking about. But if you're someone that lives in the Chicagoland area, it's not a bad drive. Justin, I know you've gone down to Notre Dame numerous times down to South Bend. Um, it, it's not a bad drive. T don't miss this opportunity to see these youngsters. Number one, these ballparks are way way, way cheaper than Wrigley Field. You, you could sit there and, and like get like tickets right behind the dugout for like $15. You know what I mean? Um, the drinks are cheap. They, they do. They have all sorts of giveaways. My wife won a TV last time we were down there. They just make the ballpark experience absolutely fun. And I feel so blessed that I was able to go out into South Bend and watch DJ Hurst pitch, watch Cole Franklin pitch, um, you know, watch, uh, all the hitters that I got to see that were just phenomenal. Some of them, you know, big names that, you know, PCA, I got to see when he was down there. Um, I got to in the, in the second half in the first half, you know, taking a look, Matt Mervis was down there. So, so, you know, if you've never thought about doing it, I'm going to be honest, it, it, it's really a great deal. It's not a far drive. And, and if you have kids, it's great to bring the family. They have like a little fun park in South Bend, go see Kevin Alcantara, don't just take my word for it. Go out there and take a look. And, and there's just certain guys that when you see them, you just go, oh, my God. And, and, and he's one of them. So, again, nothing will ever ease the pain. I don't want to say nothing will ever ease the pain, but it'll lessen the pain of the Anthony Rizzo trade if Kevin Alcantara is uh, one of those guys that we think he's going to be. Um, at number 84, Brennan Davis. He was a guest on Fly the W. He was a uh, draft pick of the Cubs. Brennan struggled with a nerve injury in his back and that caused him to miss significant portions of 2022 season with the Iowa Cubs. We thought he was going to be up mid season on the big team. Um, but missing that much time, obviously there, they, that affected his ranking. You know what I mean? We can't say what would have happened, but the reason he's not higher than 84 is because he really didn't play much last season, but people know what he can do. They saw him in the futures game, take the MVP award, hit two home runs. He was the Cubs minor league player of the year twice. All it, all it comes down to, you know, all the, all the mental makeup tools are there, the maturity, uh, everything. The only question is the health, you know, he has to stay healthy. He has to do it for a full season. And if he, if he can stay healthy, it's going to be hard not to imagine he doesn't make his Wrigley debut in 2023. Yeah. I would think that that makes a lot of sense. 2023 is assuming that he has no uh, regression with the, uh, with the neck. Absolutely. And then the highest ranking Cub in the top 100 Pete Crow Armstrong, PCA, who came in at number 25. So now we're talking top 25. So PCA was acquired in the Javi Baez deal. You think the Mets have buyer's remorse on that one. Um, huge breakout season, starting the season in Myrtle Beach before being promoted to South Bend, where he helped the team win the Midwest League Championship. And with, with PCA, a lot of what I'm talking about with, with the other outfielders, these are all outfielders that the Cubs have in the top 100, where you're talking about that has power. The defense is just absolutely incredible. PCA, you know, he talked about it in, in the session. He talked about a couple of things. Number one, him and Kevin Alcantara basically said they're not phased about the fact that they were traded for Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo. They said they respect those guys and they want to help bring the same kind of atmosphere that those guys brought to the Cubs. But but they they they're they're not scared of anything. They're not scared of having to live up to anything. They're they're guys that have a lot of confidence, both of them. 
And so, you know, with PCA, he had some injury issues with the Mets, which is kind of the reason that he was available to the Cubs. But when when he had the year that he had last year, it was just absolutely eye-popping. And, uh, you know, he got a huge reception at Cubs convention. And and, and he talked a lot about, you know, how much he prides himself on defense. And and, and he's probably one of the – if you're talking about a guy that has both speed and hit tools – I mean, oh my God, there was one time, I swear to God, he stole a base. He should have been out based on like the lead that he had and the, and the throw and everything. He was totally safe. And if they would have had replay um, in the minor leagues, it was so funny. He got there before the tag and it just never looked like he was going to make it. He has a different level of speed and he can just turn it up a notch and it's fun to watch. So that's the uh, three Cubs that made it to the top 20, 100. Now let's talk about MLB Pipeline. They had their top 10 prospects at each position. Let's get into that a little bit. Right. We'll be able to kind of take a look at that. So far, they've come out with catching, first base, left-handed pitchers, and right-handed pitchers. So that's where we are right now. And when we talk about I like breaks- that slow roll. It works for us, right? The roll it oh, out absolutely. slowly. Tease it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We that content, baby. Content. We don't is need baby. it all at once. We don't need it. We, we don't need it. You know, we want this to be like a an all you can eat four week four days in a row buffet. Absolutely, and and hopefully the Cubs still have more. Again, we haven't done outfielders yet, which you know the Cubs are going to be in there. So, um, obviously, no surprise when we talk to first baseman uh, Matt Mervis was number four in the rankings. So Matt dominated three levels of minor league pitching. He started out, like I said, in South Bend, where I got to see him then moved up to Tennessee Smokies, then moved up to the Iowa Cubs, and then he continued in the AFL. And I don't care if it was it, what, what, where, where he was at, he was hitting home runs. He hit no matter what. Wherever he was, he flashed power. Right. And so just it's just absolutely shocking how, how what a great season he had. And I will tell you something, man. He is a very, very big man. Um, Lance Brozdowski from Marquee Network. He's been on the podcast before. He's sitting, poor, poor, they put him right next to Matt Mervis, and Matt Mervis just dwarfs him, looks like a giant of a man. And so that was hilarious. But, you know, the thing about Matt is he's going to be playing for Team Israel in the World Baseball Classic. And we're definitely going to have to talk about that before the World Baseball Classic starts in March. But there are going to be a ton of Cubs. They keep adding more and more Cubs and ex Cubs. I think this is going to be one of the most fun world baseball classics. So to see um, Mervis getting that chance to play for team Israel is going to be a lot of fun. And let's see what he does. You know, when you talk about uh, the world baseball classic, Stroman's pitching in it, you Darvish is pitching in it. There's going to be a lot of good major league talent. This is going to be a great chance for Matt Mervis to prove everybody wrong because there are some people when he was in the AFL who kind of were concerned about certain things that they saw as far as holes in his swing and whatnot. So this is going to be a chance for Matt to keep proving naysayers wrong, which is all he's done since the 2022 season. Yep, that's all he has done. All right, finally, Crowley, they've got some uh, left-handed pitching prospects ranked. Yeah, Jordan Wicks was uh, ranked six among left-handed pitching, right? He was the first-round pick of the Cubs in the 2021 draft. He comes from Kansas State. So, you know, when you get those um, – college pitchers they're more fine-tuned they're more refined than than the high school guys that come out say like the you know dj hers of the world so they're they're more quickly going to be ready to help in the major leagues and so you know he comes from kansas state he was dominant in south bend before being promoted to the tennessee smokies uh he talked about at cubs con he talked about the pitcher he admired most was john lester so he knew that was a hit with the crowd but again you're talking about a big lefty so I'm excited to see what Jordan does. I have a feeling he probably he'll probably start the season again in Tennessee where he finished up, but you can, you know, like I said, sometimes AAA, you know, you, you could bypass that. You saw Chris Morrell do that, but you know, if he's doing really well, I could easily see Jordan moving up to AAA because of the depth of Cubs pitching. It may not be necessary to have to rush him up. Do you get what I'm saying? Right, they'd only have to rush him up if, if something was either really, really wrong or he was just off the charts. Right, but when you look at the you know these lists that we've talked about, whether it's baseball None of these America. guys, Crowley, none, none of these guys, based on what Jed and, and Carter Hawkins did this offseason, none of these guys should be at Wrigley Field next year. None of them. 
Um, well, I mean, unless a, you unless you get into like the September call ups and that kind of thing, I'm talking about during the heart and soul of the season. Well, that that's that's a you know what you're talking about here is let's so who's most ready right now? The pitchers are most ready, which we have a lot of starting depth, but that may not say that you might not try Jordan Wicks in the bullpen, right? Like right. say, I'm talking about the guys we just talked about, just, yeah. just the guys that we just talked about, the, the the three guys that made the top 100, Matt Mervis. You know, if if Hosmer and Mancini are doing their thing, there's no reason to bring Matt Mervis up here. Well, let's look at it from this standpoint, right? Let, let if if Cody Bellinger, let's just say, is kind of having a really good year, not a great year. Let's say he's having a really good year. Okay, let's say Brennan Davis is having a really good year. Do you want to let Bellinger walk and get nothing for him? Because if he does have a very good year, he's going to want a lot of years and a lot of dollars. He, that's the, what the whole point of the prove it deal is. Well, this so is you, Chicago, right? Crawley. These are the Rickets. They've got the money. You know, if the guy, if he's that good, then pay the damn guy, the money. Well, because uh, he, he's also an option at first base. So I don't, I don't know that Trey Mancini and Hosmer are long-term where Bellinger potentially could be assuming he's willing a, a longer term solution and you pair him with Matt Mervis. I mean, listen, maybe this isn't the time to talk about this. Maybe we need to, maybe we need to stretch this out a little bit. Maybe we need to tease it for maybe episode six or episode seven, but I couldn't resist uh, trying to get a little bit. So you and I disagree on this point. I I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying that, that, um, oh boy, it's just hard to, you know, if you had told me last year that Matt Mervis would have been one of the most impressive players in the minor leagues, I would have said, you're crazy. Matt Mervis, right. what? No, no. So you don't know what these guys are going to do. So I'm just kind of, you know, and there's no saying that they're, you know, maybe one of them get, maybe these guys get injured again or haven't recovered fully from injuries or whatever. I have no idea. But, um, what you're talking about with, with the way that Jed and Carter have handled this situation is that all these moves are designed not to block any of the guys that they believe are coming up. Good point. Very, very, very good point. As always, Crowley, as always, you're making good points. That's a wrap. Season two, episode five. It is in the books. Episode six will be coming early next week. Don't forget to listen, download, review, subscribe to Fly the W Podcast. And if any news breaks, we'll be there for you. And go Cubs. It's all over.